You are listening to episode 21 of the Tennis Files podcast, my experience playing a futures tournament. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mehrban Iranshad. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. Uh, it's always an honor to be able to speak with you guys. And today I'm going to have another solo episode as I did in episode 19 when I talked about uh, seven reasons why you lose tennis matches. And the reason why I really wanted to do one of these today is because last weekend I played a Futures tournament in Charlottesville, Virginia. And for those of you who don't know what the Futures tournament is, it's basically the lowest level of a professional tournament. So this is where every single professional tennis player has gotten their start in their career. They play Futures tournaments all around the world, and then they try to get that first ATP point. And the way you do that is you have to go through qualifying at these Futures tournaments and generally win between three to four matches. And then once you get into the main draw, you have to win one match. And to my understanding, that's always how it's been as far as um, being able to get an ATP point. So the way I was able to actually get into these Futures tournaments, or this particular one, is I went on the ITF Tennis website. So I think that's itftennis.com. And then what I did was I registered to get my iPIN. And so what an iPIN is, it, it's basically like a, a one-year membership uh, where you get this iPIN and then and you pay $60 and then you can sign up for Futures tournaments. So what happens is 18 days before the tournament, you have to actually, uh, you know, sign up for that tournament. So you go on the, the ITF tennis website, and then you go on the calendar, either men's or women's, obviously, and then you find the tournament that you think you want to play in. And as I said, there are tournaments all over the world. I mean, there's tournaments ranging, uh, you know, obviously from the U.S. to Macedonia and yeah, Africa, Europe. I mean, it's really amazing, you know, how many tournaments they have uh, of these futures tournaments. But uh, you pick one, and then you sign up you know, when you're, while you're logged into the ITF tier uh, tier IPIN account, and you want to make sure that you register 1400 hours GMT time. So officially, again, it's 14 hours GMT on the Thursday, 18 days prior to the Monday of the tournament week. And so you sign up and then, yeah, you wait a while and then they'll eventually put out the acceptance list. And so you'd go to the tournament that you signed up for and then you click on the acceptance list. And the way they organize this list is first they'll have the main draw participants. So they're going to, you know, obviously list, you know, the main draw. And the main draw is generally 32 people, uh, 32 person draw. For example, for my tournament, they listed 20 main draw participants. And then they list all the people who made the qualifying draw. And the qualifying draw 
is anywhere from 32 players to 128. Uh, that's what I've seen. For the main draw and qualifying draws, uh, really for the whole entire list, they what they do is they obviously list you in order by ranking. So uh, the main draw players are going to be just straight up like the highest rank and on, on down. So then in the qualifying, you'll start with the the next highest person who didn't make the, the main draw list. And they're, from there then on, that's a qualifying list. Um, so what they do is they use the ATP rankings. And the ATP rankings, you know, it, it really depends. But just give you an idea again, like the number one seeded player in the main draw is ranked 260. And then it cut off at the number 20th guy is ranked 866. And then the qualifying draw, the next guy ranked 887. And then they go down from there. And then they also will use your national ranking. So it, and this, you know, depends on like wherever you live, they'll just use that national ranking, of course, you know, your Canadian national ranking, your US ranking. And so in the States, we are only allowed to play, uh, we only have certain tournaments that actually give national ranking points. But so they go down from there and they use, uh, for the United States, they use the ATP slash WTA top 500 national list. And so if you're in the top 500, then they use your national ranking for that. After that, I'm really not sure exactly the ranking formula, but anybody who doesn't have an ATP or national ranking, they will like, I don't know, just randomly or maybe using some formula, they'll list the rest of the remaining applicants. And the that third list is the alternates list. And that's the list I was on because I do have a national ranking uh, in the United States right now, it's uh, in the 700s, like 720 something. And last year, uh, at the highest, it was 523. So I just missed out on that list. But um, you know, it's tough to get national points uh, here in the U.S. So um, yeah, and I was on the alternate list, so I was yeah pretty far down the list. But I really wanted to play, and I did hear that, you know, sometimes in these futures qualifying events, they end up having spots in the draw. So, like, you'll notice if you look at previous tournaments, they'll have, a, you know, some buys in there. So, you know, they have spots open. So I signed up, and Charlottesville is actually only a two-hour and 15-minute drive from where I live. So I said, you know, what the heck, let's go down there and make a weekend of it. So if I get in the draw, I'd be super pumped. Um, worst case, you know, visit some wineries. So I went with my girlfriend down there. And before I went, I actually contacted the director of the tournament and I asked him, you know, what my chances were to get in. And he said, well, you know, it might be kind of tough given your current spot on the list. Um, but, you know, write me an email uh, and basically apply for a wild card and list your your rankings and um you know give some background on yourselves because it might be possible to give you a wild card into the qualifying which would be awesome so um so i wrote him and i listed my um my national ranking which is you know as i said 723 or so and then i let him know about you know i tried anything really i just wanted to i really wanted to play in the tournament so i was like oh you know i'm ranked this and that and I also have a tennis website and a podcast. I mean, I, I just, I apologize. I was like, you know, I just 
throwing this out there. Apologies if it doesn't matter. Um, so I sent him that. We got to the tournament site on Friday. So this is another thing that you have to do in futures events. You have to go to the site the day before qualifying starts, if you're playing qualifying, and to sign in. You have to sign in. And in Charlottesville, it was uh, it's between 4 and 6 p.m. So I got there pretty early, maybe like 4.15. And I signed in and asked the guy about my uh, wildcard status. And he said that they wouldn't be making the call for wildcards until they figured out who came who uh, who came and appeared at the tournament site. So I said, cool. And it was raining pretty hard there. So, And I actually had to pay a $40 entry fee. So the fees are you, you pay $60 for the IPIN uh, for the one-year IPIN uh, availability. And then each tournament that you play, the, the futures events, they cost $40. So... The guy actually was like, okay, 40 bucks in cash. And then I was like, oh, crap, I forgot my cash. So I went back to the car and fortunately found some cash. Uh, thanks, Thankfully, my girlfriend, Cheryl, had some cash left over. Otherwise, I was going to go to a bank or something um, running low. So I paid in cash and then waited. And uh, it was raining pretty hard. And I actually asked the tournament director if I could go back to the hotel to check in. So we went back to the hotel which um, ended up causing quite a bit of allergies for my girlfriend. So I apologize to you, and I hope I can find a better hotel next year. But anyway, so came back. I actually came back alone uh, to check up on you know my status. So at, at like 5.55, I got back to the tournament site, and there were like four other guys waiting. And we waited a bit, and then about like five minutes after 6, the tournament director told us that we had gotten uh, wild cards into the event. And, you know, I honestly am not sure if it's because of what we said in our applications or because there were spots left open. I guess it was maybe both. But um, we got in and uh, I was really stoked about it. I mean, you know, I never played a professional tournament before, so uh, super pumped. And then later on that day, they published the draw, I guess that evening, and I found out that I was playing the uh, 11th seed in the qualifying draw, who's ranked 1,500-something on the ATP Tour. So, I mean, he's like a legit you know, professional tennis player. And um, he's actually 17, so he's um, you know quite a prospect. Uh, his name's Ezekiel Clark. So great player, um, but uh, you know I just relaxed that night and loaded up on Pedialyte and water and bananas and bars and stuff and regripped my rackets and made sure everything was all good. And so then uh, the way it the matches were arranged were the first slot of matches started at 9 a.m., uh, which I started at 9 a.m. as well. So I got there pretty early well you know kind of early I guess around eight ish and I was kind of looking for people to hit with but it just you know I didn't really know anybody and it seemed like people who wanted to hit were hitting and then I don't know it was just kind of weird so I basically did some dynamic stretching and um, you know just tried to figure out what I was going to do on the court which I mean was just (laughs) trying not to lose Ono I guess I don't know I mean it's it's really, you know, exciting to play at that level and the guys there are just so, and the girls are just so solid. So 
Anyway, walked on the court, warmed up with the guy. I could already tell that, you know, he had a very good game. I, I watched him on YouTube the night before, and uh, he won, like, some international tournament in Costa Rica or something like that. And uh, he, you know, he plays all over the world and stuff, so it's pretty awesome. But, yeah, I warmed up and just figured out, you know, through watching him during the warm-up and in the videos that he's a very quick, uh, agile player, you know, solid ground strokes, pretty solid serve, you know, hits with a lot of depth. A very solid player, so I knew I had my work cut out for me. Yeah, we started the match, and, you know, I won the first point. I was like, oh, how this is this won't be too bad. And, uh, you know, the, the game was, the first game was pretty close. I think maybe I got to like 30 all or something, but he pulled that one out. And then the second game went to deuce, um, you know, a couple of deuces. And he, I think I had a game point too, and he ended up pulling that out. And then I won the next game, so to bring it to... 2-1 and then after that it was pretty much all downhill it was just um really tough I I don't know I mean the, the guys there are just really really solid you know you have to just understand that these guys they play for a living I remember at the check-in uh, they would ask everybody in the line like professional or amateur and then all these guys like three guys in front of me they're like professional 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 and then I, I think I stuttered out I was like uh amateur <laughs> um but you know that's that's what i am i'm not a professional so uh, you know this guy he's just very solid um his you know his serve was was good but it wasn't huge by any means comparing to what i um what i've seen i mean there were some other players in there uh, the tournament that had huge serves but um you know ezekiel he he had a solid serve um placed it well and you know, he had a really fantastic backhand, so which was stronger than his forehand. He was able to dictate a lot of play. Um, you know, we would get into rallies, and I really, I run around my backhand a lot and try to hit, you know, heavy topspin forehands uh, deep into my opponent's backhand. But, um, you know, he handled that really well, and uh, he was able to really get on top of uh, my forehand, and he just he had a just a wonderful down the line backhand, which several times he just popped me out of nowhere. Um, so uh, you know, kudos to that. And directional control, fantastic. You know, he hit consistently deep into the corners, uh, just running me around, and that was like a big problem. You know, he he dictated play. He he was able to, you know, push me around. And that's really the key in, in matches. Like generally the one who is dictating play with controlled aggression, which is an article I wrote about. Um, if you just Google tennis files and then controlled aggression, you'll find it. But, you know, he was dictating. You know, on occasion I would also be able to dictate points with my forehand, but, um, you know, he was the one doing most of the dictating. And he... You know, he picked up on the fact that my forehand was much stronger than my backhand, and so he was able to, you know, move the ball around to to kind of set that up where he would eventually get it to my backhand. Then he could control the point from there. Some of the main reasons why I lost are, you know, first of all, I'm just not used to the speed and consistency at the pro level. You know, these guys, they are very, very solid. So, I mean, it's just, you know, there's always like an incremental 
kind of shift when you go from like 3-0 to 3-5, 3-5 to 4-0. People are just a little more consistent and hit with a little more speed and consistency. But when you get to, you know, these futures events and up, it's just the, the higher, the you know, the highest echelon of speed consistency. And, uh, you know, you just got to keep playing with the level that you of players that you want to be at. You can't just kind of play with five O's and then one day decide, uh, you know, one day play with six O level players and then think that it's going to be easy. You know, you've got to get used to it. I just like anything. I also didn't serve that great. I mean, I remember some games where I was up 30 love or 30 15 and, you know, I threw in a double and it just, uh, or, you know, I just hit second serves too much versus getting the first serve in and, um, you know, Zeke was able to really pounce on those serves. You know, like I said, I was on the defensive a little too much. I tried my best and I was very pleased with my effort level. And I knew it was just like a huge opportunity and learning experience. And so I just went out there and enjoyed myself and try, gave it my all. And that's really what matters. And I was able to also videotape the match, uh, which is always fantastic uh, I really can't stress this enough to just videotape uh, your play um, because, you know, I think the hierarchy of, you know, fastest ways to improve, um, you know, forgive me if I'm leaving anything out, but I think that, you know, number one is to get a coach. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Because, and you know, this is something that I am really strongly considering because I've just got really motivated by the, the high level of play there at that tournament. And, you know, I, I'm i just one of those guys, just like a lot of you who I want to reach my potential. And so I, I know that, you know, in the past, uh, I may not have done everything I could to do that, but I, I want to do that now. So in getting a coach... You know, it's just like instant feedback. So you're, as provided you have a good, you know, a great coach when you're playing, you know, as soon as they spot something that you're doing that is a deficiency in your game, they're going to tell you immediately. And then you can work on that, be cognizant of that when you practice, when you, uh, when you play. And then that's the quickest way. Because if you just go out there and you play against other people, you know, they're not going to tell you what your issues are unless they're really nice. And, um, you know, it's always awesome to get that instant feedback and have a coach and a mentor to guide you on not only point out your problems, but also how to improve them. So that's number one. And then secondly, if you can't afford a coach or you just can't get one right now, 
Number two is to videotape yourself because if you're a pretty competent player and stuff, or if you like post your video and ask other people to watch, uh, just like Andrew from New Zealand did, and I gave him some pointers, you know, you're gonna find, you know, you're gonna see the deficiencies in your game when you videotape, and it doesn't have to be, it you know, it doesn't have to be very complicated. I brought a tripod and a, a camera and I got my girlfriend to tape me uh, with a video camera but uh, just the other day I was practicing serves on the court by myself and I wanted to you know see what I was doing with my serve but I didn't have my camera so I just I got my cell phone I leaned it against the fence and I made sure that I would be in the picture and it was perfect I mean I just hit the record button laid it down there uh, vertically and hit some serves and looked at it and noticed I had a, a slight hitch. And then I, you know, with that feedback, I smoothed out my motion a bit more and, you know, it, it really, really helped. So try your best to videotape yourself, especially in matches, because that's where you're playing your true game, um, your competitive game. Um, which if you you want to compete, that's the, the main thing you have to analyze and see what you're doing. So, you know, I definitely am committed to improving my game and I, I might actually get a coach. You know, these guys, like I said, they're really solid and they don't miss very much. They don't have any glaring weaknesses. But at the same time, they still sometimes do have small weaknesses at this level because it's the future so it's a lower level event uh you know professional event and so one example that i saw uh, against my opponent is i noticed i don't know if this is like a you know it's something that's a consistent weakness but when i hit uh, low slices to my opponent's forehand he would have trouble with that you know he hit in the net a couple times or he sprayed it a bit wide so the biting slice seemed to give him uh, issues. You know, I also learned that you just have to be super fit. And you have to be fit because you're playing at such a high level where they're hitting it so hard. Uh, you know, not so, so hard, but they're hitting it with a ample amount of pace and spin. And they have such good directional control. So you're going to be running a lot unless you're commanding the points. And, you know, it's tough. And you have to be not only physically fit, but mentally fit. Because you know, I watched a bunch of matches after mine. And the main thing in playing these tournaments for the professionals is getting the ATP point. And so you're often going to be locked in these grueling three-set matches. And you're going to have multiple ones often in the tournament. And it takes really a lot of mental and physical fortitude to push yourself through to get that ATP point. And so I was just very impressed by these guys just, you know, duking it out on the court and just playing so well and hitting amazing shots. And um, the main thing in general, uh, what I learned here and also what everyone has to do is it takes a lot of focused practice and consistent improvement to succeed in futures events. Because um, if you have any sort of weakness, glaring weakness, these guys are very easily going to be able to pounce on it. You know, like I said, they can put the ball really anywhere they want to from almost anywhere. So if you have a weak backhand or something, they're going to find it. 
Um, she just have to be really solid, solid, fit, having a weapon would certainly not hurt at all. You know, I really feel like when you push yourself and try to play at the next level, it helps you so much. I mean, there's two ways really to handle these sorts of things. You can either play at a, a level or two higher than yours, lose pretty convincingly, and then be dejected, or you can play at this uh, high level, lose, and then be really pumped up to improve. And uh, I think most of you are of the latter variety because I know you're very passionate and I know you constantly want to improve yourself. And so it's just great, as I always stress, to challenge yourself, play tournaments, play people who are much better than you on occasion so that you know what you need to work on. And um, uh, just, you know, these futures events are, you know, not for everyone, obviously. I really, I don't recommend that you try these futures events unless you're around at least a 5-0 level. You know, if you're like a 4-5 or below, I think you can sufficiently challenge yourself by playing men's opens tournaments. Those are going to be hard enough. And, um, you know, this, what I did... You know, I'm not trying to become a professional tennis player all of a sudden. Now, that's not why I entered. I entered because I just wanted to uh, really experience, you know, what it's like to play at a professional tournament. And granted, it is, you know, the lowest level futures event qualifying, but you still have, you know, these amazing players uh, ranked, you know, whatever, like 800 or so in the world and sometimes higher and they're playing in qualifying and, you know, like the guy, the number one seed who played in qualifying, um, he, he qualified and then he actually ended up beating the number two seed in the first round. And um, yeah, I, I don't know what happened after that, but, uh, you know, just some fantastic level players. And I really, truly enjoyed playing uh, at that level and challenging myself. And I'm just going to, you know, be really committed to my fitness. And I think you'll all be surprised, as some of my friends are, that I actually became a vegetarian as of like a, a couple days before the tournament, which kind of sounds crazy. But, you know, I played last week and I felt like I was um, not as fit as I wanted. And I, you know, I wanted to change something. And I knew that the diet... Excuse me. I knew that my diet, uh, people's diet, uh, is so so influential above all else as far as you know how fit you're going to be. And so I know that people who become vegetarian, uh, they often lose weight, provided that they eat properly and don't eat pizza every day, because with you know those type of diets, you obviously put a bigger emphasis on vegetables and fruits and grains and whatnot. So, you know, I mean, it's not for everyone, but I figured I'd try it out because I want to lose a bit of weight. You know, I'm not obese, but I figure that if I lose some weight and retain my speed or keep working on, you know, making it even, uh, uh, making myself even faster, then I'll be a lot fitter and a lot quicker on the court. And that's what you need. You know, these guys at the pro level, they're so committed and they're, they're playing hours and hours and hours a day traveling to these tournaments all around the world and so it takes a lot of effort and I just want to maximize my capabilities and my game so I mean you hear some of these players like uh, 
I heard the other day that Aaron Rodgers is trying to lose weight, and so he became uh, primarily a vegan. And you know, you hear things like Djokovic just declare that he isn't he isn't going to eat meat and all that. And so you know, the point isn't necessarily that Ned stop eating meat. It's just that you know the commitment to fitness really and your health. And so who knows what what'll happen if I'll always stay vegetarian, but uh, what I really want to do is to emphasize the healthy eating and uh, just to, you know, show myself that how discipline and um, eating properly will translate into, uh, you know, better fitness for myself. And I already do feel lighter and less bloated and all that. Very impressed by everything that all these professional players are doing, and I, I wish them all the best. It's so difficult in these freaking tournaments, I mean, to like get even one ATP point. And uh, I mean, and making money as well is just so difficult as, you know, I've talked to some Futures players and interviewed them on the show, such as uh, Colin Johns and Sophie Chang, and uh, they don't pay that much uh, in these tournaments. You know, I I get why they don't and all that, and it's not really a money-making thing for them, I guess. But to get paid, you know, maybe just a few hundred bucks or something like that for making the first, second round and these, and then uh, to have to travel all around the world and purchase tickets and stuff. I mean, I just, you know, I just did a two-hour drive there and back, and I, you know, I spent 300 and some bucks for hotel plus, you know, meals and all that. And for the vast majority of these players who are traveling to these tournaments, they're not making that much. You know, they're either losing in qualifying or, or you know, not making like uh, making it deep into the tournament. So it's really tough. Um, but everything, you know, that's w- worth it is extremely, extremely tough. And so I wish these guys all the best. And, uh, you know, I just really, really enjoyed my experience playing in this futures event in Charlottesville, and I'm committed to improving and uh, making my serve stronger, my backhand stronger, and working on other fundamentals. And um, you know, maybe uh, in a year, a few months, or something, try another one and see my uh, test my progress. So yeah, I really appreciate all you guys listening to the show. It would be awesome if you guys subscribe to the show. Um, I'm actually trying to get Ezekiel Clark, who I played in the Futures event uh, on the podcast. So hopefully we can get that going one of these days. And uh, I really look forward to giving you guys a lot more fantastic interviews and uh, to give you all the knowledge that I have and am currently learning as well through training and speaking with such uh, you know wonderful coaches and players and experts. So, and also if you have time to give the show a review, I would definitely really appreciate that. So I like to end all my shows with a quote, and this quote is from Bruce Lee, and he says, if you always put limits on everything you do, physical or anything else, it will spread into your work and into your life. There are no limits. There are only plateaus and you must not stay there. You must go beyond them. So keep testing yourself, keep competing, keep figuring out what you can improve, and do that in your tennis and your life, and you're going to have a very successful career. And um, I just want to thank all of you for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. 
I, you know, I really appreciate all of you who have given me such wonderful uh, messages and um, given me props on the show, and I'll continue to do the best that I can for all of you. So uh, best of luck in all in your tournaments and in your tennis game and everything else. And take care. Have a good one, guys. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.